0: I'm talking to tonight's Sheer. What's a Shabbos Parshas for So let's go straight to our first question. So last last Shabbos in one shul somewhere in Europe, they have a big Shabbos kettle, an urn, which is plumbed into the what the mains. During the week, the way it works is whenever you take out a cup of water, so the balance, the uh, well, then then there's a, a cup of water will come in to the to the to the tank, and the thermostat will decide when to reheat the uh, system, etc. So happens that this past Shabbos, after about ten people have had cups of coffee, someone noticed that the the inflow pipe had not been switched off. Well, that means effectively that about two liters of water in this large tank, which let's say got 20 liters, were cooked on shabbos And therefore, they're asking the question. Obviously, they asked the question after shabbos because yours truly doesn't answer the phone on shabbos Um question was are they allowed to have the rest of the water? being that within that water there's a mixture of water which was cooked on shabbos and so there is a a well-known halacha mass shabbos if food was cooked on shabbos or something was created on shabbos in a violation of shabbos so there's a difference if it was done by mazid or b'shoge if it was done by mazid it doesn't done knowingly willfully there's a violation of Shabbos. Then, for the violator, it's also forever. And for others, it's muta after Shabbos. If the violation was Beshoigig, then it's um, if the violation was then it's muta Motza Shabbos. But on Shabbos itself, no one's allowed to have benefit from it. Hence, the question: This water in the urn, the which was heated on Shabbos, which was boiled on Shabbos. It should be a problem of master shabas, and therefore shouldn't be allowed to have that water and mixed in with the rest of the water. The whole hot water tank should be forbidden. So, at first, I was concerned about this. Then I thought about listening, thinking about it carefully. There are there is we know what is a knowing violation, shogig means a violation without knowing the information. Whether typically it says the Gemara forgot that it's Shabbos today, or forgot that this is not allowed on Shabbos. There's a level less than that, and that is known in Halacha as misasek, that the person is preoccupied in a totally different activity and didn't realize that there is a consequence that something is is being done. So, for example, if I would leave, if there's a room which is pitch black. And then I le- I leaned against the wall and inadvertently switched on the light. Am I allowed to have benefit from that light? We're talking about Shabbos. So this is, I did not switch on the light knowingly. This was Miss Asik. And the, what we're seeing, over, that, there would not be, in the times of the Besa-Mudish, you would not have to bring a korban for such a thing. It's not called a shagir, it's, it's less than that. So what's the story? Is master shabbos of a mishasic activity is the uh, consequence of surimuta. so now i can see here on in this piscate shuvahs and so he gives a couple of examples um someone um, added water i thought the water was boiled um, already something someone poured of, on, on water on seeds he thought that they are not connected. Someone leaned against the wall and didn't realize that there's a switch. Opened a door of a fridge. He didn't know that the light going on. Went outside into the street and didn't know that he has something in his in his pocket. Um, you didn't know that the aid is his torn. All of these is is not that you no don't know uh, that it's it's shabbos. It's that you don't didn't realize that you're doing something. You're carrying something in your pocket you didn't realize you're carrying. So there's a discussion in Poskin whether that's considered on the same level as shoging and therefore if you're not allowed to have benefit or it's less than shoging and you are allowed to have benefit from it. So let's say you came home from, you walk, walk through the street and you realize afterwards you've got a, a stick of chewing gum in your pocket. You didn't realize earlier, are you allowed to now eat the chewing gum in the, in the second location? So according to this, uh, this is the machlekas over here, and he takes the view that that since it's a machlekas about a drabonon, the whole thing of Master Shabbos being us as drabonon, you're allowed to take the benefit of the doubt, and uh, therefore it's the uh, product of a misastic activity is muta. Consequently, in this case of this the hot water, this cold water which was boiled on Shabbos. By a misasik, that water is permitted on Shabbos, and certainly the mixture of all the rest of the water is permitted on Shabbos. Okay, let's go on to another point. Came up and someone asked this question What is the story if someone gave in their tefillin to be checked by a cipher, and he finds that there's a word missing, letter missing? Which means that it was never kosher. So, does that mean the person never put on tefillin all their life? Now, I remember Rabbi Vogel Zalzangerzon telling um, that he, as perhaps as a bocher, was involved in a case where someone that ever gave a, a, an answer to check the tefillin, and it was late afternoon. The person had checked, got, got the answer that the tefillin apostle. And it was like quite, ex- um, somehow, uh, a big surprise. And he tells Rabbi Chadakov in like, really, like, with, like a way that were ma- amazing that the Rebbe saw that this person's filling uh, weren't okay and needed to be. And Rabbi Khadukov, instead of excitement, said, Do you realize it's now half an hour till sunset? Go quickly and get get him a pair of filling that he should be able to put on filling today. Um, so here we have. Um, on the top of the screen, we have here a quote from a sefer called, it's a small sefer on Bechas Hananin, and at the back it's, it's called Seder, it's from Rabbi Yom Tov Nettle, so he's got a likut on the altar of Bechas called Likutim Arid. At the back he's got Lakutim Nechutzim, and here he is quoting the Bechacharov, Oid Kosav. Also, the Bachacherov in Eshel HaVroham at the back of the Shekhanorov, he writes, If Tfilin were possible, or found to be possible. Missing a letter. yes, Loima. Well, we have something in the Gemara. If a Kohen is standing on the Mizbeach and he's just brought a korban, and then someone uh, informs him that he is a cholol, that his mother was a Grusha, halutza, etc., which means that he is possible. That means the korban is possible. And the halacha is now that the korban remains until his. Uh, his non until his cholol status had becomes known, everything until then is kosher and the kabonas are valid, as it says, Apostle Bore Hashem Cheloi of Foyal Yodov Tirthse that even Cheloi was understood here as cholol, even that which he did as a cholol, but Hashem accepts this. So he wants the raw wants to say, just like, like the Kohens avoid until he's discovered to be a Cholol, until that point, anything which he did is kosher, the Kabbalahs are valid. So he wants to do something similar with the Tefillin. And until they're found to be possible, they were valid. Consequently, he says there's no need to say, Bokshayn Kweid Machus, Leil avoid on all the hundreds of Ruchas, which the person has said you know, throughout the years on his possible Tefillin. That's what he says. Now, on my margin, in that, my, my, my copy of the Lukotin Maharit, i would written, actually, you look up in the Gemara Kedushan there, you see that's only talking about uh, if his disqualification was because of a cholon. But let's say if he turns out, he says the Gemara quite clear, if he turns out that he, he's a Baal mum, he didn't realize that this was a, a mum, but he had a blemish, which invalidates him. So then, even if it's discovered after the fact, after it's brought the carbon, the carbon will be possible. What's interesting is so. In other words, you don't have an am- amnesty automatically for all newly discovered psalms. It's only the din of chalolus because it's not himself. It's like beyond himself. It's what to do with his parents, etc. Um, now in Rambam last week in Pirchusret Seach Perik Zayin say halachiyot base. So we have the deen that if a person had mur- killed someone, we call it manslaughter in English, he killed someone in error. And then the Torah has instituted the idea of Miklot, cities of refuge, where he is uh, banished to stay in the city of refuge until such time that if the Kohen Godal, until the Kohen Godal of his time, Passes passes away. At that time he's able to go home to his to his hometown. Now, what happens if the person became banished to the oremiklot, to the, or the cities of refuge, and there was no Kohen in office at the time, for whatever reason? So then he has no, no chance of coming of, of, of being relieved of going home from the Oremiklot because there's no Kohen godel, under whom, whose, whose uh, tenure he became, uh, um, he was banished. So then the Rambam says further, Nimso Nigmar dinay. If the accused was, the verdict was passed that he has to be exiled. Then the Ben, grusha ben and then it turns out that the current Kohen Godel is invalid because his mother was a Grusha, etc. So then he is not a Kohen Godel or never was a Kohen Godel. And therefore, Ki'ilu, the status of this uh, manslaughterer is going to be heilu nigmadino as if his verdict had been passed when there's no Kohen Godel at all. Therefore, he remains uh, exiled in Arimiklod until the end of his life. So what we're seeing here is that there is no, even in the case of Ben, ben Grushev and Halutsu, where the Korban would be kosher, but the Kohen himself is not kosher in the past. And similarly, I, you know, despite the uh, efforts of the Bachotcherov to say that the Tfil and the Mafreya are kosher, the is that's not the case. Um, although the mistake was only found now, the impression is that it's the psul is uh, all, until now also, it's retroactively also. Okay, let's move on to the next point. And that is, I was looking over a book uh, in English, halacha book, and it came up about peeling, about uh, eating a peach on Shabbos. And it talks about taking out the the stone from the peach. And there the more the focus is on boiler, that is that it is okay. You can see here, this is from mm-hmm. the If I you're opening a plum and you throw out the um pit. And then if it's if it's not for immediate use, the problem of boiler. If it's for immediate use, then it's okay. But he seems to be saying it's okay to pick up the stone out of the plum, out of the peach. And in my recollection, there's something about someone who was so careful that he would not. Uh, touch the and it's brought, brought la locha. And when he ate dates, he would spit them out with his tongue, not to have to touch them with his fingers. Now, here you can have this is an altar of a shukh norah, Shin Ches talks about peels, which are inedible to animals. So then you'd um, eat the food and you'd spit out the waste uh, with your tongue behind your shoulder. Now, I know it's not the popular meaning today don't pick them out with your fingers and don't 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 eject them onto the table in front of you and then you'll say oh there'll be a pile of of pits and it's going to be dis, uh, repulsive and therefore you'll be allowed to take it away because of the dinnograph shalrei that you are allowed to dispose of something which is objectionable um, in despite it being muxa and the reason is shalrei, you're not allowed to at khila, create a a, 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 a a repulsive presence and then that would override the Indian of Muksa. But meanwhile, without going to the whole the discussion, meanwhile, we're seeing here that he wasn't taking the pit with his hand, Rather, he had to spit them out with his tongue. So how do you reconcile those two? That was what was bothering me. And the answer is fairly simple. And before I going to the answer, now here's a simple question. When you peel a banana, so the peel is, the peel is not muksa, yeah. Even though the peel of a banana is inedible, the proof to that is that even monkeys, when they eat bananas, they take off the peel. But so long as the peel is attached to the banana, it's not muksa. Once you've separated it, then it becomes muksa. Fine. So now the same thing: the stone the, the, in, in, a, in a peach. So long as it's attached to the peach, it's not are no different to peel. Like you have to peel a fruit even the fruit is even though the peel is inedible you should be allowed to remove the pit also it's not a it's not a question of boiler it's not small things which are mixed in so it's like peeling so why should there be a need in need for zoryk will show enough spitting that with your tongue and the answer is your Noah addresses this and he says the following we're talking about there with the dates it was the style of eating and having the whole fruit in your mouth with the pit, and then you would, once you've kind of separated in your mouth, the pit from the, and, the, and the flesh of the fruit, then you wouldn't be allowed to take the pit out with your mouth. So let's say, I don't know, if you, if you eat cherries that way, so a cherry, you, you put the, let's say even if you, you cut the cherry before, for it to be boiled, whatever, but if you put the cherry in your mouth, uh, and now you've separated the, the flesh, and now you've just got a, a pit in your mouth, the cherry stone, then you wouldn't be allowed to take it out with your fingers. There, you'd have to eject it somehow uh, into a, a container or something. But, but that would be muksa because you've already separated. But before eating, as you wanted to eat the peach or something, that that state you would be allowed to separate the stone from the fruit. I see, someone's put something on the on the chat. Thank you, Rabelu. Adds here here about the previous discussion. About someone whose fillin were found to be possible, Lema Freya. Yeah. So just to explain, sometimes the fill-in are possible because of the faded letter, cracked letter. That could be that it was once kosher and then, due to a time, where etc. It 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 became possible. There's a worse than that would be that you find it was never kosher, and that's so. The Rebbe's advice to this person was to uh, to Get, find another person who's not wearing tefillin regularly and to persuade them and encourage them to wear tefillin daily, that would be a tikkun for them having missed out on tefillin. Thank you, Rabbi Let's move on to the next question. So here, um, friend, a fellow I, a young man I've gotten to know from another country, and he got married to a Giyairas, and... Um, they're living in uh, thrall, and her father, who's a devout Catholic, came for a visit. So the young lady made some a special loaf of bread and offered her father to have some of the homemade bread, and he said a whole, a whole blessing, holding the bread, some, some prayer, or some Catholic prayer. And now they're asking forgot to say are they allowed to have the rest of the bread so i asked what is the content of this prayer so he said something's got to do with um, the flesh of yoshka something like that something something to do with yoshka so i wasn't sure He, he didn't tell me exactly the prayer but it's i wasn't sure about it but then it occurred to me that really the this bread does not belong to the father or father-in-law this belongs to the young couple so you generally we have a principle of Ein osu, eina you cannot uh, impose an isur on something which doesn't belong to you now, that's not so straightforward because we know that if a guy touches my wine he does make it also i ain't out of it's not his so it's not so passionate so there actually here's there's a difference whether it's a mice or it's not a mice, if it's a deed, an action or not an action. So let's read here, you have Shukunor in Miradeya Kufmemhay, Sifch, so we're going to read it inside. Ainun a living animal will not become condemned as uh, being dedicated to Fabedazar. Not only um, by mere saying, if a man prostrates himself, bows down in worship to his own animal, the animal does not become us. Why? Because this is a clout, a living animal does not become us. Now, in relation to korbanus, this would be disqualified for a korban. That's called mukse, lavedazara. Not, not like mukse in Shabbos, mukse But as far as a day where they are allowed to have have a uh, benefit from it so an animal which has been worshipped is then it says also, if an action was done that the animal was slaughtered as an, as an act of worship for I uh, echon. even if it's only one of the two pipes the windpipe or the food pipe and the point, the point of here is and the explanation here is that there's a difference between and less than mice um, if it's a mice then even though it's not yours you had it was not your business to touch it but you could bring an issue on something which isn't yours so you can damage something through a mice but merely a debor would not impose an Isra on some, someone else's property. And so, uh, therefore, this Catholic father who blessed his bread uh, would not make, the not his bread, it's his daughter's and her, uh, her husband's bread, it would not make it also. The question would be, what would be in his own home if he would make this invocation? Would it make the bread dedicated to Avedasara, etc.? Obviously that would be have to look at more carefully what exactly is being said there in that um uh, is an issue or is it? here it's he's coming. A, a, a gayer should be behaving respectfully to their non-Jewish parent. That's actually something which is encouraged in halacha. Um, so yeah. Someone's asking if you your fill to- turned turn out to be possible, are you entitled to a money back? The answer is yes, definitely. And if you buy a chicken, uh, which turns out to be trade, um from, in other words, from a kosher butcher, if you open it up, it turns out to be tray. you are entitled to a refund, yes. Uh, even if they were not expected to know, it's still you're still entitled to a refund. In other words, an entitlement to a refund is not because they tricked you. The fact that they've sold you something which is invalid is uh, your are entitled to refund. Yeah. You know? Where it becomes more complicated, where you know, let's say there's something which is po- possible. The miser, the sefer says, don't use it, but there is a shita which says it is kosher. Let's say mezuzah with a letter which it's machlekas. Yeah. So the, you you go back to the to the Sofa and you say you you sold me a mezuzah. It's not valid. Well, he says, what about this shit? It is valid. That can be a little bit more complicated, the Choshen Mishpat, whether he's obliged to give you a refund. Okay. Let's move on. Um, someone asks me about whether women should be saying, uh, the repeating the words of uh, Shema to make up 248 words. So on the bottom of the screen you have here from the Altarebis Siddur at the end of Hilchus Tzfilin where he says that has got has got 245 words. And there's short three words short to make up the number of 248. In order to make up from 245 to 248, it's customary for the Chazan to re- say to repeat the words HaShem Alekechem ms. This is well known. But then the Alter Rebbe adds the following. Yochid HaMispala Le'atzmai, if you're davening on your own, YaRze Tevas Tevas Ani HaShem Alekechem. So you say Ani HaShem Alekechem, Ani HaShem Alekechem ms. That's the Alter Rebbe Maybe other posk, but most Poscrim don't don't take this this, this view. Um, okay, but well, there is the idea of making up the number of 248 words. The question is, what's the significance of 248? Well, that's corresponding to the number of organs in the human body. The question is, that's only in a male body. The way it's described in the Mishnah talks about goes into quite a lot of detail, where how many organs there are in the hand, etc., etc. An organ means. It's bone and flesh and sinew. So in a, in a male body is 248. In a female body is two opinions. There was 251 or 252. So therefore the question is asked, being asked, does a woman who doesn't have Ramach Evarim, has a different number, should she be saying uh, these extra three words? A woman doesn't have to say Shema. But if she says Shema, she's saying the extra three words. So, you can see here um, on the screen you have from Balacha, which is on the Kitshiknaruch, Simen Yurches. He quotes from the Mingcha Mentioned last week, I think we we're talking about Mincha So the Munkachiro, he discusses this question. Someone asked him whether a woman should be saying the extra three words. And he says, listen, this whole thing is based upon Kabbalah. It's based upon Zohar. And therefore, I take the liberty of learning, uh, learning Pshat and therefore coming to a conclusion based upon Kabbalah. And he explains that the Indian of Ramach Ivorim is not the focus on the person's Ramach Ivorim, but it's talking about Ivorim of the Shechina of um doesn't go into too much detail there but this is in you have in a in, in in kabbalah you have this idea of ramach evorim shalmailo um and perhaps the idea of ramach mitzvists is related to that anyway he says the ramach evorim means evorim shalmailo not on the person himself I and mean, consequently there's no difference between a man and a woman being uh connecting through their shema to the ramach evorim shalmailo and then he says a woman saying shema should also endeavor to say those extra three words to make up the ramach the 248 words Mm -hmm. let's move on so now someone asks a question should an oval rachman if he is in the middle of davening and he's behind the minion does he and it's time for kaddish does he interrupt he is davening to say Kaddish. Now, there is a letter of the Rebbe to Rabbi Dubov of By the way, Mazel Tov to his Eynikol and the Eynikol who ha- carries his name, Yitzchak Dubov, Ben Rabnishnam David, became a chosn, I guess, heir of Shabbos, Rabbi Yitzchak Dubov was the Mashgiach uh, in the yeshiva in Manchester, and uh, he wrote to the Rebbe, asked the question. There's a letter of the Friedike Rebbe very much encouraging the importance of saying the Kaddish before Haidu. This letter is printed in Sefer Morim Tov Shintes. So it was probably published in a Kuntras around that time. Rabbi Dubov davened longer than the Minyan. So it looks like he would start davening Shachris ahead of the minion and therefore and there was no one else saying the Kaddish he was asking should he interrupt in the middle of Sukkot Zimrah to say the Kaddish before Haido and there the Rebbe is a little bit apprehensive he says it's not your personal here and um, the Rebbe does not encourage him to say the Kaddish in the middle of Sukkot Zimra because he shouldn't be mafsik and it's not his duty, it's not his personal duty. It's a duty that the Kala should be said, but it's not his personal duty. So, actually, from that letter itself, you see that the Rebbe is, is saying it's not your personal, if it was your personal duty, then you would be allowed to be mafsik. Now, these all these halachas about being being mafsik in the middle of Sukkot Zimra and Birchas and, Krishna. And are not literally written in the Gemara. We do, everyone, every kid has learned a little bit of Mishnai's uh, Brochus, knows about interrupting a in Shema to greet a person out of respect or out of awe. And then the post can, later post can say, well, if you are allowed to interrupt the in Shema in order to of a human being, how much more so for a COVID of Hashem? That's why we are interrupted in the middle of Bechas Kishma to say, etc. Here's the question about Kaddish. So now, this you can see here, this is from Piskei Chuvahs again. This is from Simon Samach Vav, where he says, a yossoim, an orphan, should not be saying Kaddish in B'yachas Krishna, even though there's no one else to say that, that Kaddish. However, he says, if he is a zechir, and they, he won't have a later minion. Then Hamaykel be'bein haprokim yesh la'amil yismaych. So if if he does have a chiyuv, and then to say kaddish between bein haprokim, let's say between Yitzchak Ma'or and Avos Olim, etc., then there is room to be mekal So I say that he, since he does have a chiyuv, then you could kind of connect it to this idea of like bein a year, pniyah year, pniyah to be allowed to be mafsech to say kaddish. Not everyone agrees, but there is room to be maykel. Um, Someone's asking why by Krishna Shalamito we don't say the extra three words. Actually, that's not not correct. Uh, there is a letter of the Rebbe that in Krishna Shalamito you should say the extra three words. In this, there's, there's, there's a kind of a, there's Hayom which is a little bit unclear. As someone Hayom it says that Krishna Shalamito, you should say the word Emes. But there's a letter of the Rebbe which says, although I wrote there to say the word Emes, that's not to say you should, but you still should say the extra three words. And the this is based upon the Mogen Rome, where it's similar to Tess, somewhere around there, you know, the dinam of Krishna Shalomita. The reason, why do you say the whole Shema again at night? I mean, if you're very really, down so you're very good to Krishna. So why are you saying Krishna again, the whole Krishna? Some people talk only say to say, only the first passion. and those who say the whole Shema, it's that the, the saying of the Shema should be a protection for the Ramachivarim. And therefore, in Krishna Shalomita also, you should be saying Ani Hashem Lekeichem, Ani Hashem Lekeichem Ames. Um, some of the Chabad I'm sure that is included. Some of the older ones don't have that, that uh, clarity. Yeah. Now, going back to our earlier discussion, you can ask the question, um, should a woman be saying um, the acts of three words in Krishna Shalomita? Yeah. According to the word of the monk, you can argue, and she doesn't need to because uh, that's got to do with her a machivorim of the person. Okay, let's move on. Right. So now about we're now uh, just going to rush Just about a month ago, someone came over to me, a shliach, and he is a, a recent, you know, recently moved on in his area. So he does not have a Shabbos minion. So he was in our shul on the morning of Rosh Chodesh Tevis, and he says, It's now a month since I came back from the first time I'm at Kriyasa Torah. Do I say today? I felt a lot quite uncomfortable about it. Uh, a month later, he's saying well, you know, we say it within three days. All right. This after that is—is is it totally open, or is there—is there a time limit? So, is showing there's no time limit, but it felt a little bit strange. And then I don't remember the other event. Another person came with the same question during the past month about uh, saying long after the event. Perhaps it was there medical uh, thing procedure. Now this is from the Arocha Hashulchan. Kvar it was already written that we should you one should not delay more than three days. But if there is a delay, it's okay, if there's been a long interval, is the whole experience has been forgotten he should not, no longer say the Barokha. The Ovad is forfeited that Barokha. Then he throws in the yesh Oimim ad he yomim I'm not sure where he gets that from. I'm just, as I'm reading this now, I'm thinking about, you have the idea, as mentioned in hichas Tfilah, that if a person has travelled, travelled particularly by sea, he is Potamina for three days. Nowadays we don't follow that. But it's, why a person for three days after the journey is still in upheaval? So, possibly that's the husband of the three days for because up to three days, the person is still still kind of connected to the event. After that, it, 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 uh, it, be, it becomes forgotten. At any rate, what you can see here, uh, whether it's five days or more, but if it's a whole month, now I really hope I so. Uh, I, I had a journey a month ago. When, when the, I mean you see here been HaShulchan says not to und is it mistakul. So someone is saying that jet lag like lasts till five days. I'm sure that's not what the, the Baruch HaShulchan meant, but okay, some people uh, take longer to recover. Fine. Okay, let's move on to the next point. And that is um when we say Shema in Rabbeinu Tams why should we why do we say the third parasha of Shema We say Shema those are the parashas which are in the in, in the Tefillin also Vayda, so we write recite the four passages which are, are the, in the scrolls in the Tefillin but why are we saying Parashas Tzitzis which is not there now uh, you can see here, here I've got a quote from a sefer called Chikre Min Hagim, from Rabbi Gorari in Chulon, uh, this is volume uh, Hey, the fifth volume, but uh, he, the, the, the earliest who uh, addresses this, this is Maram Sheik, Maram Sheik was a Talmud of the Chassam Sefer living in Hungary, and the Talmud of his notice that he's saying also Vayoymer, and he asks him, now it's, it's uh, he's so he, it's quite a long piece in the Maram Sheik. He says the following, it says in the Gemara, b'lay tfil, b'lay ki ilu heid shek, sheker b'atsmai. One who puts on, tfil, uh, who one who reads, again, yeah, one who reads the Shema without tefillin, it's as if he's given false witness. B'atsmai. Now, before um, explaining the expert word what what's that got to do with us over here? If we take the view that the Haloch is like Rabbeinu Tam, not like Rashi. So then when he said Shema in Davning, before uh, putting on Rabbeinu Tams, he wasn't wearing tefillin. So he was made a made to to rectify that, to rectify that. So he says says Shema again. In the rabbinic terms, in case he had read the shema without without filling, that's the, that's the their thinking here. Now, what does it mean? So, Rashi learns that Ba'atzmoy is actually referring to Hashem, and the usage of the word be'atsmoi is like sometimes you have what we use deliberately here. You don't want to speak in a, in, in a disparaging way towards Hashem. Therefore, you say, on himself, but really it means Hashem. That He had been, he had. it was like a, a lack of Kabbalah um, or something like that. He's saying Shema without the Tefillin, he's lacking in his submission to Hashem. Rabbeinu Yoina, who has the commentary on the Rift, in the back of Gumara brachas, he says, Ki'ilu is on himself. He's 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 said something wrong about himself. Okay. According to so the Maram Shik is saying that according to Rashi, means that your Shema, which you said without filling, is as if you're lacking in proper Kabbalah's el Malkus Shemai. Okay, point one number one. Point number two is. That Tzitzis is also got to do with Omar Shammai. And this, he refers to the Gemara in Brachis. Um, do I have the number on the page over here? Um, I'm sorry, I don't have the Amid. Um, but it says in the Gemara, why do we say, or, yeah, we say the third Pasha of Shema in order to have the union of of um. But there are many Pashas in the Torah. Which talk about Yitzias Mitzrayim. So why was why was Dafka this parasha selected to uh, to to mention Yitzias Mitzrayim? So he says it says there about it has five things five five inyonim five topics which are brought up in in the parasha of Va'yayomer, and it says Bishle Mhanit L'as Mifreshon first three are explicit, and one of them is oil mitzvahs, an acceptance of all mitzvahs. You'll see the tzitzis, and you remember all the mitzvahs of Hashem. So without going to the rest of the five, one of the reasons why VaYomer was the selected Parsha to invoke the concept of the remembrance of it's Mitzrayim because it has in it the Kabbalah's El Mitzvahs. So according to Rashi, who says that there is the problem of a person reading Shema without filling, is because of a a uh, shortcoming in Kabbalah's El Mitzvahs. So right, so therefore to repair that, one should say the Parsha Tzitzis also in in, uh, in Rabbeinu Tavs. Okay, so that was. Actually, if you want to look it up, it's a, in, in the Kir in Hoggim. It's also about five pages or more. It's, it's just, this is this is so what he explains. Okay, so now you have something uh, a question about about whipped cream. It's, uh, it's going to take a little longer than just two minutes. Here's the question, like this. There's a concept called that if you have a food dipped in a liquid, then you need to wash nitiyos before eating it. And that's why we wash nitiyos yadayim before dipping the karpas in the salt water on Pesach night, because tibulevemashke requires nitiyos uh, yadayim. We do we don't say a brocha, but uh, we do make a point of washing. Mishnabur is more mekel, the Altarebbe is more machmir about this, and Chassidim are generally machmir about this. So let's say if you are having a coffee and you want to dip your biscuits uh, into the coffee, so Chassidim uh, uh, will only do so if he's washing it sitting by uh, Fabrengin, picking up a pickle with your fingers. Again, it's Tibbul and Mashke, so uh, that's, why, that's why they give... Um, they give uh, toothpicks, yeah. So you shouldn't have to pick them up with your fingers. But it's a question, aloha. So now someone asks me the question: They have for breakfast. this is somewhere in America, they have for breakfast. They have waffles. They give, and the waffles are also a nimshach with uh, with, with um, whipped whipped cream. And you can see on the picture, it comes in a uh, how do you say? Uh, pressurized tube and you release the nozzle and guess it comes out and it's important to read the details it's got first ingredient ingredients is grade a cream sucrose corn syrup non-fat dry milk solids monoglycerides natural and artificial flavor salt propellant nitrous oxide gas so now this stuff which comes out of this tube comes like a frothy uh substance is that called liquid and therefore having the the, the waffles dipped in well they are they, they are um covered with this stuff is that called quality so let's say that's clear that if milk is made into butter that's now a solid and if you put butter on a on a cracker you do not have to wash until you so dime als because it's a solid. So when, when, when milk, milk, milk became a solid, it it does not have a tibulibemashke. What is interesting is what about yogurt? Dipping, let's say, crackers, breadsticks, something which are masonous. you dip them into yogurt. Is that is that tibulibemashke? And that's actually quite uh, clear in the bayrhetev that yogurt is considered a liquid. And subject to, and therefore you'd need to do, um, um, right. So it's very interesting that we have, um, well, this is in Sim Ches. So let's just look first of all in the, you've got seven liquids, which are the, um, one of them is milk. Talks about then whey, mecholov is also considered like milk. That means after you make cheese, there remains um, some kind of solids which float to the top. And that's called mei um, cholov. And then he says, cholov sour milk. yoghurt. And he refers to a safer called Matei Yosef. And he refers to Yad Aren. I, I looked up the Matei Yosef, I did not look up the Yad Aren. Okay, well, you see that yogurt is considered a liquid. If you dip something into, into yogurt, it would be called tibuli b'mashke. Incidentally, we're learning now Gemara psochim, and we're now just towards the end of the Masechta. But when it, come, it came up about haroses, etc., and it says there this kolsh tibuli b'mashke, If you dip a vegetable in kutach. Or in vinegar, nizin tilshadayim. Now, kutach comes up much earlier also in the Alboa Mini Medina in the fourth Parik, if I'm not mistaken. And it talks there, kutach habavli. Um, uh, and there you get the impression that kutach is a mixture of bread and of, uh, of liquid. So it's interesting that, that ra- the Rashbam here says that kutach is called a mashke um that doesn't seem to be the impression from the piece which we're going to read from the altar Rebbe. okay so now let's now read the altar Rebbe carefully here in simon kufnun ches he's talking there about about honey and honey we mean here bees honey that that is one of the shiva mashkin if you have a some kind of pudding or something where you've got a a presence of honey as a separate a, a, a visible presence there inside or garbo on top but if there's no honey on its own it's just mixed with other food so you've got here a food let's say a bread which has been broken down it's now become totally blended become inseparable with the honey that was a long sentence. But in that, looking at this mixture, um, there's there's no presence of honey, which is moist, without a mixture of the other substance. Let's say the bread, which is mixed into it, a cake or something. Um, so then, if that's the case, that the, the any honey. It's got, with it, mixed in the other stuff. So then, That honey is no longer called honey. It's called a new substance. It becomes a food. Even though it still has, it's wet to the point that if you touch it, and then you touch another thing, that would also become wet. It's transferable moisture. Sometimes there's something is moist, you touch it, and you touch something else, you haven't transferred the moisture. Well, here it is, but because it's so well blended with the other ingredients, so then, then, it's no longer considered honey. Now then, he adds another point, and it becomes, becomes, now, this is where I'm a little bit hesitant. Let's come back to those ingredients. You've got here grade A cream, which on its own would be a mashka. Then you throw in sucrose, corn syrup, uh, and dry milk solids. I don't know what glycerides look like. Um, and I would say even the propellant is after all that, and after it comes out with the propellant, is that called a liquid? And so here the Al Rebbe seems to be saying it's it's not being liquid is dependent on the mixture of other ingredients. But then there's a very very another very important feature. Then he says, it becomes that this mixture becomes thick somewhat. It's not the kind of thing which you would gulp down and swallow. When you drink, you do not need your tongue to help you manipulate the food to help you swallow. And that is called that's called drinking. And probably a smoothie would also be considered a drink. But here, because it's become thicker, it's something which is the style is that you you'd somehow manipulate with your tongue to enable the food to get to your um, where you swallow so drinking means that you can pour it down you don't need your tongue to help you drink you do need your tongue to help you eat that's the difference so that's why I'm saying, even if you're going to tell me that those ingredients are minimal, the the uh, sucrose etc. They're just flavors. Even if you tell me that, but once it's got that propellant in, it becomes quite a thick mixture, if I can remember correctly. And as a result, that's not called a mashka anymore. It's called an oichel. It's called a ma'achol. Once it's called a ma'achol. The ones called a food, there's no problem of, uh, of it being um, he goes a bit further. He talks about plums and cherries, which are mixed with, with honey and they become thick pieces. I'm not sure exactly uh, of that 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 application, but this is this is the alternate Ebbis Now, what I find quite remarkable, about 30 years ago, I put this question to Friedman as Friedman's eingezund. I asked him. Um, what is the defining factor, whether it's called a liquid or a, a solid. And he said this idea of a of swishing with, you need to swish with your tongue. And having searched today, it looks like the earliest source, because I'm looking around in the Oita Chochmah, I see several contemporary sources, and they say this definition, but they all trace it to the Altarebbe, which I find very remarkable, that the Altarebbe has introduced a, a, a how do you say, a, a the word is a benchmark to dif- differentiate what's the difference between a food and a drink comes up with this new idea hipuch beloshen, which I, I did look up in the mata yosef which is the Rebbe. in the notes here refers to this mata yosef the mata yosef was a contemporary of the pre um so a hundred years before the Reb or something but he doesn't use that language the Reb also refers to mogna in sima who is also struggling with the book? How do you define what's a liquid and what's a solid? But this term of hippuch beloshen* is the Alter Rebbe's own creation, as far as I can see. But this is this is the definition: a food is something which you need to have your tongue to help you to swallow. And if you can pour it straight down your throat, that would be called a liquid. Um, so that's uh, in *Shantasach*. Uh, when I was in in Lod in last year, I was there. You'd be this time was, with, with, uh, so I spoke to him about Roma Lashvili, uh, who's one of the uh, very, uh, he's got great expertise in the Altarebbe Shachonoruch. We see in the introduction of the Altarebbe Shachonoruch, it's mentioned that the um, star started writing a new, a revised edition of Hilchas Nihitil Shadayim, etc. And he acknowledged that what we have over here is evidently there are some very spectacular chidushim, in the, in, and, uh, and this is probably one of those, where the alterative comes up with this, uh, this definition. So I feel this is, uh, yes, a clear answer that, uh, that the, the cream being so thick is no longer called a, a, a liquid and therefore there's no Dino de- And um, One last question, which may or may not be on your list, may have been added later. So one of our listeners followed on from, I mean, we had a previous discussion about covering the Shelyad during um, during uh, putting on the tefillin out of Tznias. And I saw just now, that's also in written in the Shahr HaKavonah, so you cover there because of Tznias. But then why do many of us take off the plastic or carton cover before making the bracha? And to the point that you take it off, and then after you put on your shalyad, before you put on shalrosh, the, the minigav rebbe would put the cover back. And why do you need to take the cover off? I'm going to confess that for many years my fill-in shalyad cover was so tight, it was very awkward to remove it. So for years I did not remove it, but uh, at some stage I got a different cover which is uh, able, able to remove. And yeah, so what's the reason for this? I was taught to take it off. And then I was so stuck, I didn't. I wasn't taking it off. I'm questioning whether it was necessary, but now I can see here. Now, the the background to this is that it says in the Gomorrah that if the tefillin are covered with another material, if you'd coat the tefillin with the Zohar, with gold or, or with another material, that could be a disqualifying fact if you cover the tefillin with something else. So if the cover were to remain, indefinitely stuck kind of not stuck but if it's covering the whole time that kind of is can, relating to see if that covering the bias with an invalid material and consequently um this this is the reason for the minhik that the fill when you make the bracha they are uh, just it's just the fill afterwards you put on the cover to protect and looking up here in the Piskech and simicho zion there are many who objected to wearing the cover altogether. As we know, the Friedrich Rebbe didn't wear the cover. Our Rebbe did. But that seems to be the reason for removing it, that the carton carton does not become part and parcel of the Tefillin. We have now a couple of minutes left. I'm just going to share with you that in Volume 3 of Sefer Nesiva Mestarshlichus, I wrote there a chapter about, about Amira Lenachri. And someone recently saw an article quoting, which I'd written, apparently, if someone had parked on the red route, it might say Chihoya. across this, um, on, on, on Stanford Hill, there's a red route, which means that in the evening, it's okay to park there. But if it's past eight o'clock in the morning, it's a very busy road. And if a car is parked there, the likelihood is, there's soon going to be a tow truck and it's going to pick up your car. And it's going to cost you a fortune to redeem it from the car pound etc and now so there's a story that uh, someone came from overseas and borrowed his father's car and he parked it on the red route and came and comes shabbos and then the car is over there and then, and then you know we realized that if it's it left there it's going to be a fortune to to redeem it so are you allowed to ask a guy so i had written that you are allowed to ask a guy to remove it and my basis was on a, a halocha that if you are in the street and you realize you've got your wallet with you, so there's a rule of Ein Odom Mahmid Atzmoy Al-Mamoynoy. understood that a person cannot, you can't expect a person to walk away and leave his wallet over there, and so that he shouldn't do it himself. He's allowed to call a goy to take it to safety. So I was using the same principle that he should be allowed to ask a goy to take the car to safety. Now the problem is that it says in if you uh, benashmoshes if you have a Hefzad beruba you're allowed to ask a goy to save you from Hefzad beruba and do something to help you to save it from a, a significant loss. So if you're only allowed to ask a goy by, by benashmoshes, so now you have a heter, even middle of Shabbos to ask a goy. So I, I'm struggling. I was struggling with, with uh, how to reconcile this. Yeah, since you have a heter only benashmoshes, here you have a heter even on Shabbos. Is I have said Maruba allowing you to ask a going to do is in Hatayr? That's my question. Now, very interesting. There is in Mr. Bruder. He has a very long entry. Um, somewhere 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 on there from his son. He had a son who passed away in his and uh, he was 23 years old. And Mr. Brough brings a whole long thing about understanding with a, in the case of a fire. And in the case of um, the, the wallet, what's the difference? Why in the case of the fire, there's lots of restrictions and they came and they can only salvage so much and in the case of the wallet, you are allowed to ask a guy to save it. In um, one of the explanations is in the case of the fire, you're not doing anything, it's it's happening by itself. And so you're told just stand by. In the case of the wallet you're expecting the person to drop the wallet and walk away that's too much to ask therefore they say there you're allowed to ask a caller so if that's the if that's the distinction so then in the case of the car being parked it's a it's more comparable to the case of the fire than to the case of, uh, of the wallet there's another explanation in the case of the fire if you would be allowed to call a goy, the goy will put out so much fire, and then he's not doing enough. So then you'll be tempted to help him do more, do more, do, do, do to, to do more, to do more. That's why they put the brakes there. In the case of the wallet, you ask the goy to take the wallet. There's not going to be any more malacha. So there's, it's not so clear. And I'm, I'm, I'm I've been looking around. Is there any clear explanation and the parameters? This heter of the wallet that you are allowed to ask a goy um would that have to apply also to be allowed to take the car um to a safe place they shouldn't get uh, uh, towed away um i might you know if i'm wrong uh, my my sack was wrong okay so i'll have to admit the truth um okay that's what i have for tonight i wish you a good of uh about next Motze shabbos so we're going to have a Fabrengin. uh we have a a guest of Aaron ginsburg from Borough Park a um, very Um so he's be going to be our guest for Shabbos and for Motze Shabbos. And the Febreng is called for 8 o'clock. So as a policy, I don't like to have two shul activities at the same time. And consequently, I um, want to give you advance notice that next week, the Shia online will be between 7 and 8 p.m. rather than the regular time. And we should hear Basudas here and from Eretz Yisroel, the the uh, shivuyim and the soldiers should all return home safely and shalom al yisroel. and should have simchas Ulom al Roshom, mashiach tirkenu nayl mamish. I got to know.